Hey everyone, welcome to another awesome episode of Community Blooms. This is your host, Akil Cole, and I am so excited to share another great conversation with you all. Community Blooms brings you refreshing, inspiring, and hopeful stories from real people in different communities working to protect the environment, educate those around them, and improve the health of their communities. Community Blooms is a podcast by the Community Ecology Institute, a nonprofit organization based in Columbia, Maryland, whose mission is cultivating communities where people and nature thrive together. Today's episode features Roxana Segovia Beltran and Mohsen Zaidi from Harvest Unite. Harvest Unite is an unincorporated nonprofit association dedicated to fostering community and creating resources for climate remediation. They have initiatives like the Communal Garden Program and Hydro Garden Kits. Roxana is the founder and creative director of Harvest Unite, and Molson is the Harvest Unite's field director. Last but not least, this episode will be released on the two-year anniversary of CEI's purchase of the Freetown Farm. We are so, so, so excited to celebrate this wonderful milestone, and we look forward to sharing this moment with you. Whether you're from Howard County, a volunteer, or just someone who knows someone from CEI, you, yes you, are the exact reason why all the work at CEI is possible. So thank you so much for cultivating community with us. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Hey, good people. Welcome to another episode of Community Blooms. Here with me today, I have two very special guests from Harvest Unite in Howard County, Maryland. So Roxanne and Molson, uh, could you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Uh, sure. My name is Roxana. Um, I, I live in Columbia, Maryland, and I helped found, oh, I founded Harvest Unite um, about a year ago. I'm originally from California, and I've always been a little bit of a gardener since college, and I've also lived in Georgia, and I've, I've gardened in many different situations, um, mostly urban type gardening, most into hydroponics, container gardening, and, um, you know, Harvest Unite is uh, technically a food growing cooperative slash environmental advocacy group. So we really like to make the connections between our food and how that supports the environment and teaching sustainable living to um, the local community. That's awesome. Hey everyone, my name is Mohsen Bobi. I am a junior at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, uh, doing a biology BS, a double major actually, biology BS and environmental science BS. And I, <laughs> I'm the field director of Harvest Unite and and I've and like my free time, I like to grow exotic tropical plants. So that's my kind of hobby on the side. <laughs> a very cool hobby. That that inspires me because I'm a complete city dweller or city dweller. Like I, I have all this space in my in at my house, and I'm like, I should probably start gardening. And yeah, and like, my Miami, you can grow anything. It's like the weather. Oh all, yeah, all you can be growing all year. Oh my god, I'm jealous. You could be growing in December, like bananas, <laughs> and no problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know why I haven't taken that opportunity, but it will be taken. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. 
if well, you come to after Maryland, this conversation will inspire you. <laughs> if you come to Maryland, I can give you some banana plants. You can grow them in Miami. <laughs> oh, for sure. I love bananas. I'm down. I'm totally down. Yeah. So my first question for, I'll start off with Roxana. Um, you mentioned, um, actually, am I saying that right, Roxana? Or, um... Yeah, just with an A at the end, Roxana. Roxana. Okay, awesome. So you mentioned that you've gardened in like a variety of situations and di did different types of gardening. Um, but I guess more broadly, how did you get involved in environmental work? Yeah, so um, I would say it was uh, very much uh, through my, my rearing of growing up. Um, my, I'm a first, sorry, <laughs> I'm a first generation um, uh, American. So my family comes from Mexico and El Salvador. And, you know, being raised with my grandma in um, Southern California, you know, like the way I was raised was very much um, having to be aware of natural resources and understanding that we just can't waste things like water and electricity and gas because um, they cost money, right? And um, if you waste, if you let water go down the drain then that's letting money go down the drain, that was not something we could do in our home. So I would say it was very much about um, it being coming from a working class family and understanding that like, you know, we need to save money and, under and you know, know that things become scarce if you don't. But I, I think um, as time passed and really just with, this, with California culture and learning about environmental justice in college, I, I really made the connection about how we're kind of in a dire situation and we've been in that situation for many, many years. And um, it's something that like really struck me from a young age that and really grew with me as I, as I aged really. So. Yeah. You know, I think that's, I think the aspect of being environmentally conscious and aware that being a very practical um, outlook is often overlooked because mm especially when we have like 24 hour news cycles and we're being bombarded by chaos and we're also being bombarded with information, um, we can often lose sight of the fact that it's literally practical. And I mean, besides all the spiritual and mental and emotional be benefits, it's practical to be aware of what you're using. And it's practical to have the understanding. So I'm, I'm, I appreciate the fact that um, you're bringing that perspective. Molson, how about you? How did you get involved? In uh, environmental work, so my grandparents they they always had a garden in their backyard for the past like thirty or forty years. So I used to always go to their house in the summers, and I used to just spend like hours just helping my grandfather in the garden. And for some reason, he always he like his favorite vegetable was okra and eggplant. So that's what he used to grow all the time. So <laughs> that's the vegetable I kind of um, just learned how to grow, and that was my first experience gardening. And then. Um, my mom knew that like since I, I was like, interested in gardening with helping my grandfather then she signed me up for a volunteer program for the local library community garden and then I started working in there and I have been doing that for the past six or seven years when I was until I was 18 I couldn't go there anymore he <laughs> <laughs> grew out of the opportunity yeah but then I became a mentor so that was even better <laughs> yeah that's full circle that's definitely full circle. Um, I think one thing that's really interesting about both of your um, responses to that is the the introduction by family, like just the role that family plays. Um, and I guess I wanted to ask, like, 
what role a moving like moving forward in your own work um, do you see the family that you're that you're developing through Harvest Unite and what role do you see for the family that maybe you personally want to incorporate? I'll go ahead, listen. I mean, my dad's dream was always to have like his own piece of land to farm, but the land in our area is really expensive. So maybe when we when he retires, we'll get like our own piece of land, we'll like grow our own food. That's always my dream also. Right now we only have like a small piece of land to grow like vegetables and tomatoes, random stuff like that. But in Harvest Unite, our our entire goal is that we want to be like reciprocal. So we give and then someone else gives back to us. So for example, we're doing like composting. So community compost. So your compost is not only yours, it's the entire group's compost. So if you have extra or need extra, you can get it from other people. Like yeah, that. definitely. You know, we, we do believe that um, in the res, res, oh, such a hard word for me to say reciprocity <laughs> of, um, of, of our mission, right? Our mission is to empower communities to thrive, uh, grow, nourish, and food, and live sustainably. And the way we do that is by like actually becoming a family, right? In terms of a community. And um, I know in my own personal home, you know, we do a lot of climate literacy. You know, I teach my children about composting and they're young, they're like four and five, four and six. And, you know, we're slowly getting into the conversation about what climate change is and what's happening. And it's a really difficult conversation to have. And, and I think when we consider family, we consider like how it's not all pretty and rosy, right? And it's kind of like a, facing reality of like where we're at, but like trying to do it in a way where we can be out of the situation, but like together. Cause I don't think it's possible to do it any other way, right? I don't think individuals will solve this. I mean, I think Bill Gates wants to do that, but I don't know if he's gonna succeed. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> so um, definitely like, you know, we do, I feel like we do the best we can to like make this into a community, but only the community can choose that. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. I definitely see that like as a freshman in college, like a lot of us like in the environmental studies track, um, which I'm, I'm exploring right now, we're like, a lot of us come into it with a lot of passion and a lot of like individuality. Um, but just the point of like knowing that no matter what point of view we're coming from, what, whatever you know, um, academic lens that we're looking at it through, it cannot be an independent project, you know, the, the fight against climate change and the change to an, a sustainable lifestyle is, is a change to living together instead of living in isolation from particularly the earth. Um, there's a lot of isolation that comes with our lifestyles and uh, that, just, that just resonated so well. Um, so I really appreciate that flag. Um, I mean, one of the first lessons they teach you in environmental science is that everything in nature is connected. So you're going to need you know, all humans to be connected in order to fix the issue. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, on the note of, on the note of your children, Roxana, um, how do you, how do you maintain, and this is maybe me presupposing like my own um, issues with anxiety and stuff, but how do you maintain a degree of optimism while also um, being real about what's going on with your, with your kids? <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> Well, I don't cry in front of them, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good strategy. <laughs> well, you know, I, um, so 
compost, right? I feel like I have a lot of hope in compost and I, I teach compost in the funnest way possible. We call it plant food, you know, and we talk about how, so for instance, like with Harvest Unite, um, you know, like I'll, I'll go do a seed giveaway and I'll tell my daughter, okay, I'm going to go do a seed giveaway so that people that don't have seeds can have seeds. And she'll say, well, make sure you give them food too. And I'll be like, okay, I'll try my best. And, you know, I think it's about keeping in that hope that like, if we give, hopefully like it'll make a difference. Right. So I, I wanted to hear that, but then I also have to tell them the other side. And I, I do National Geographic a lot um, because they, you know, they have a lot of, they have a pretty good way of like teaching about elephants, but also telling them, hey, by the way, the elephants are all going to be extinct one day. And I, I, I guess that's almost like a way of having the conversation without having directly to have the conversation. But my older son is starting to catch on and, you know, he'll kind of be like, hey, what's going on with all these animals? And I have to just be like, well, you know, they're tearing down the trees and the animals don't have anywhere to live. And it's sad. And hopefully we can do something about it. And I don't think there's an easy way to have this conversation. It is sad, especially when they're so young and you really have to slowly help them understand that like our whole ecosystems are falling apart because of what humans are doing. And I, I don't know, it's, it's a hard one, but I, I feel like there's the climate literacy classes that we're doing, community composting, and we're also doing a hydro garden kit community class where we're teaching people how to repurpose um, containers and turn them into hydroponic growing systems so that we reduce waste but also grow food. I think um, it's about finding solutions but also balancing it with the truth. Yeah. Just a so, quick point that um, on Roxana that like the National Geographic series, they're like really good. All the I've watched like all those on Netflix, like Planet Earth, Planet Earth One, Two, Three, everything. <laughs> I've watched all those. I, I watch it with my dad all the time. Yeah, they're good. Everybody should watch them. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting. Is there any other content that you would you two would suggest to anybody listening? Because this is I this is for me too. I'm like, I want to learn more. <laughs> um I think the National Geographic one, it shows you the beauty of nature and then instinctively you don't want it, that to go away. So then you're like more interested, how do I protect that instead of um, instead of someone saying that, oh, we're all doomed. Instead of, they don't say that, they just say, they just show how beautiful it is and then you naturally just want to protect that. So that's just a good way to do it. I think there's also a lot of good YouTube videos on, on different ways to mitigate climate change. Yeah, um, I highly recommend anything that inspiring there's so many videos i've been watching about people that grow forests and like i have this dream now i need to grow a forest somewhere so um definitely youtube is pretty inspiring but just the inspiring stuff don't go down the other side of it um yeah i think that's what i do i don't know yeah. all i can recommend that keeping a bright outlook i appreciate <laughs> that so switching gears a little bit to your both of your specific roles at Harvest Unite. Roxana, you mentioned that um, you founded it. And uh, Mohsen, you mentioned that you're the managing director? The field director. Field so, director. Um, basically, I, I'm trying to create community gardens in the area just um, because there's so many like blank open fields that like just are grass and just pointless basically. So might as well like convert them into productive land. So that's my role at Harvest Unite. I like that. Do you, have you, are there any like challenges or maybe local backlash that you may face in trying to push um, for maybe more productive uses of the land that you're seeing? 
So I've been trying to create a community garden in this area for the past three years. I was first trying to do it in my own like actual community, like my neighborhood, but the HOA, like the governing body of my neighborhood, they rejected the plan and the neighbors had an issue with it because they wanted a place for their kids to play. <laughs> so um, HOA had a big issue with it. So then I actually reached out to the elementary school and the principal, I knew her, and she actually remembered my like me, my brother, and my and my um, sister. So she was supportive of having community garden in the back of the elementary school. So right now we're in the process of creating that community garden there. Nice. That's that's a high degree of flexibility. Good on you. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> it's taken a while. Yeah. Oksana, what are, um what are some challenges that you that you face like on a weekly, monthly, or just on a, on a periodical basis. Uh, wow, long day, <laughs> long day. <laughs> I got out of class not too long ago. Um, yeah, just what are some of the challenges that you face as um, working through Harvest Unite? Yeah, you know, it's so funny when I saw this question, I was like, oh man, how much time do I have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, so Harvest Unite was technically founded almost a year ago in a, in a month. So I feel like it's been like this, roller coaster more than anything right because when I first started this it was just based on this like need to like really be around people again and I saw this like opportunity right because I was like oh wow the pandemic ended like right when spring started wouldn't it be so beautiful if at least people can grow food right and you know I, I don't think I was the only one thinking that right people can became obsessed with like gardening it was like overnight like you couldn't find a tomato cage in, for miles right and, you know, I just like, I was like ready with my garden and, you know, when you, when you understand garden, you understand like how it's true abundance, right? Because you have one tomato seed and you can grow hundreds of tomatoes all of a sudden. And tomatoes just have this like way of just like releasing exponential growth. And so I thought, okay, well, let's just do this. And at first it was, it was engaging and it was a little bit of exciting, but it was also consuming right like I, I've, I've almost become obsessed with it and um you know this is not the only thing I do and um to be honest I, I think the major struggle is like getting people to understand that this is not a charity right like um we're not a 501c3 at this point we're unincorporated and we started out in a way where we wanted to build community and I think building community is not about like handing from here and then giving over here it's about like giving in a circle, in a cycle, right? Just the way nature does, like having like that symbiotic relationship with one another. And I think people try their best to give in their own sense, but I don't think people have fully understood the mission. And I think that's, you know, I, I partly blame myself. Maybe I didn't make it clear enough, but I, I think like what I would love to see order for me not to be in this struggle is like for to see people just step up and say like if I'm going to receive like I, I I need to find a way to give that back and not and not in a in a monetary way we actually do not fundraise um because I don't think like someone just like handing out handing me a dollar bill is gonna like change like the, the world I think them like making the commitment to like pay like this um this action forward in their community is going to make the real difference and I do realize that like the the framework is a little bit different it's a little it's not like I think more mutual aid efforts came out in the during the pandemic because people see that need but I do see it as like a it is a, a newer concept that 
technically it's not that new, but I think is barely catching on, at least in, in the United States, right? I think the challenge that you speak to um, really illuminates, I guess, the struggle of like managing people's expectations and not managing as in like lower or higher, but as in what people expect from different organizations, I think. Okay, let me illustrate this, right? Because there's an, the, like when you were speaking, something came to my mind. So like, for instance, um, like I, I, have, I have a mentorship service, right? You're better for us for high school students. And one thing I noted about it is like for me, I don't want that service to become driven by money, driven by like some sort of bottom line. And I don't want it to be something that strays away from its purpose as, which is just to help high school students fill gaps in um, like skills that they're not learning in high school because, you know, any number of reasons. And I guess I'd bring that up because when I was filing for my LLC, because um, I, I, had, I had to file, um, I was like, this is so restrictive. And when people see LLC, part of it's like, there's an expectation because of legalities, but there's also like, oh, money first. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not trying to be that. I don't want that to be um, what your better for stands for. Um, and I guess as someone who also like leads something that's relatively new, I, I, I resonate with that, that challenge, especially in a time when people's bandwidth is really, really, really shortened. And I, I commend you for like facing that challenge because it takes a lot, just messaging in general, but then messaging on top of the fact that we're um, navigating a pandemic. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. I hope that wasn't too roundabout. I was like, ah, what's the thought? What's the thought? No, that's perfect. And, I, and I'm glad that you bring that up because I think we're in a world where we're really trying to find a new way to live. And I actually, I do have an awesome documentary um, from Vice called The Third Industrial um, Revolution. And it talks about how the future of our economy is a sharing economy. And it's more about um, providing services and not because we're at a point where, where productivity is actually at a cap. I don't know, it's really interesting if you're really into, into economics that we can't really produce that much more. All we can do at this point is like provide services and share, right? And analyze data, that was the other thing. <laughs> we need a data analyst. <laughs> Molson, would you like to weigh, weigh, in and weigh in on some of the concepts that we're bringing in? I mean, I think people have, I agree that people have an expectation that if they see LLC, they're going to have like some kind of notion that you want to be, you want to make money first and that's going to take away from the mission. But um, at Harpers Unite, we're trying to build a sense of community so that like, it's not really that you keep a real tally of how much money you're making. You're, you're trying to um, affect a change in mentality or a change in the way people like um, garden or um how they produce compost to how they um, care for the environment. So that's that's the more that's the kind of money we're working with is like a it's like a social kind of change, not like a actual physical money. Yeah, like a social currency. I guess that's what we're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, social currency. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I love I love the model of prioritizing people and and moments when people are giving their attention and time because. There is no more, there's no resource more important to an individual, their time and their attention. Um, and you know, even though we live in a world where like money moves things, 
it doesn't necessarily need to be like that. And if we recognize what money really represents as a tool, then we have to just, all we have to do really, I hope I'm not on a soapbox right now, but all we really have to do is look at what, what, what is it that we actually want? Building community, prioritizing sustainability, um, learning skills that mean something. It's not, ne it's not necessarily um, a requirement to have you know, monetary currency. I, I, lo I love that concept of social currency. That's so... I think um, this pandemic has kind of hit that like in the, the faster gear where people realize that they need to be more self-sufficient. So um, the pandemic showed that you, you should like be uh, relying on yourself. So like my, my dream, like when I'm older is to have my own farm, like grow my own, all my own foods. So I don't have to be reliant on like the supermarket or anything like that for food. At least I'll be secure for food. Yeah. To be more self-sufficient. I like that. Roxana, looking forward in like 20, 30 years, do you, what, what dreams do you have um, in general, but maybe even as it pertains to um, sustainability and environmental work? You know, I don't think that far ahead. It's, it's um, too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Um, yeah, like I, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and I feel like I, I would think about 10 years in advance in my twenties and then like none of it happened. Like I, at what point I wanted to be a veterinarian, I wanted to be a midwife and it just didn't happen. Not because like I couldn't make it happen because I realized it wasn't what I wanted as I, as I, as I grew older. Right. And I lately, like, it's more about like, so it's more about like what's making me feel good right now, right? And I, my hope is that like if I follow that path and maybe 20, 30 years down the line, I will feel good because right? I, I followed my heart and followed my happiness. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I just hope to be happy and I hope my family to be happy. And I hope that like as a community will succeed and as a global, we will like have figured this out one way or another and that we have like, you know, survived. Actually, I want to clarify for whenever I mean like self-sufficient when I'm older, I, I wouldn't want to be like, you know, I wouldn't be, I would want to be like self-sufficient for myself, but I, I want to teach people also how to be self-sufficient themselves. So like giving back also. So once I'm self-sufficient, I can help other people become self-sufficient by teaching them skills to like garden and grow their own food. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, res I resonate with the, the, the anxiety and uh, depressive thoughts that come with thinking too far ahead <laughs> um, that uh, that environmental anxiety is a real deal <laughs> is real um, speaking of dealing with anxiety and like dealing with um, you know mental health challenges um, how do you two use um, your gardening and your work in Harvest United or just you know your connection to nature as a way to mitigate some of those mental health um, challenges um, I have a few, like, I have, like, two fish ponds at my house. They're, like, 125-gallon ponds. So, so sometimes after I take an exam and I feel like I did really bad, I'll just, like, go outside and feed them or something like that. Or, like, I live right next to a forest or something. Sometimes if I'm, like, stressed out about school, I'll just take a walk in nature and by the stream, you know, that calms me down pretty good. So that helps. Like, just, I don't know, something about, like, human nature, like, just being outside in a forest or just in a field, it kind of soothes you some way. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I, I've had some moments in the dirt. I have this thing that something about shoveling and digging into dirt, like makes me just like get all that anxiety out. And um, last year I, 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 so like my husband and I celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary and you know, yay, but we had to celebrate it literally by ourselves and our kids. And we had been saving for two years to go to Costa Rica. And I was a little sad. <laughs> and so in order to um, commemorate that, I made like a, a garden, a dedication garden in honor of our marriage. And I put the flowers that we I had in my bouquet, but I also made it a pollinator garden. And um, it had like a little like stepping area for the children. And it was like really like emotional. Like it was literally like 90 degrees and I was like digging like violently into the dirt just trying to like make it perfect not violently I wouldn't say that but like I, I think my neighbors thought I was crazy because I was like sweating like profusely in 90 degree weather and we, my neighbors are looking at me like why are you in the sun in 90 degrees and I'm like I need to make this garden <laughs> I need to celebrate my wedding <laughs> and um that was that was a good one I felt like just getting it out right because it's 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 been isolating you know like I, I personally like with, we had I haven't been to a restaurant in a year um yeah and we don't live near family so yeah I feel like just something about the earth and the nature and just like just rolling in it just makes me feel connected to something if I can't feel connected to another human being at this point other than my immediate family of course <laughs> that is that is such a like innovative way to transform something admittedly sad. Like, man, there, there is so much, like having graduated last year, um, I graduated from high school. I oh. wish I, yeah, I, I wish I like, I had this conversation so I would have been inspired to somehow transform <laughs> like missing prom, <laughs> missing graduation, you know, like, um, I mean, I really feel like that speaks to like the greater themes that we can find in nature, just like renewal and transformation. Um, and maybe that sounds like cheesy, but I mean, it's true. Like, you know, when, thing, when one thing closes or when one being loses, um, you know, loses its life, it transfers, it, it transfers its energy and, you know, its information to other beings. And I mean, what you did there to, you know, basically transmutate your, your frustration and sadness and isolation into um, a garden, not only just for yourself and, and your husband, but for your, your children and for pollinators. That's like, what? <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. That's really cool. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, this year I'm doing a new garden if you want to go there. Um, I'm going to do an dedication of my grandma and um, it's a medicinal garden because my grandma was a community healer. But in a sense that like in her home country, she was a, she was a nurse, but when she came here, she cleaned houses because, you know, that's what she could do. But she was an herbalist and she would go to people's homes that didn't have healthcare and offer them like herbal remedies and whatnot. So I, I do see her as a community healer that, you know, in, in Spanish it's called la curandera. And it's, you know, these, these people that we have in our communities that we don't usually uh, recognize, but are there, right? Especially for people that don't have resources. So I'm, I'm planting a medicinal garden in her honor this year. That is that is beautiful. That, that is really beautiful. Molson, um, so this one, I mean, this is for both of you, but I'll, I'll ask Molson first. 
Um, are there any like initiatives or projects like right now that you're really looking forward to working on? The main project that I was uh, most excited about is the community gardens. And we just want to create as many community gardens in the area, like a whole network of community <laughs> gardens would be ideal because uh, they can be great spots for like people to have their first step at learning how to garden and be environmentally conscious, especially if they're at like a elementary school or middle school and people have that direct, you know, physical working in the dirt, actually getting their hands dirty, learning about how to garden. So that's, that's my main goal right now to get that going for the next year. Because um, for the first year, we we're planning to do like a no-till garden. So just mulching everything. And then next year, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to plant actually like some fruit trees and then vegetable garden. Maybe we can do some medicinal herbs in honor of your grandmother, Roxana. Oh, thank you. What could be in honor of all the curanderas of the world that yeah. get recognized? Yeah. <laughs> they exist in all cultures. Yep. Would you mind elaborating a bit on like what a community garden looks like for like our listeners who may not be as familiar? So there's two different types of community gardens. There's one where you divide up, like you have a parcel of land that the county gives you, and then you divide it up and then each person owns a section of that piece of land, they garden it themselves. But the way that I want to do it is that we just have one piece of land and then one person will manage it, but then everyone can come and work on it. And then everyone can take from it as they, as they see they need it. So it's more of like a, how do you say, like a community effort to maintain everyone's plant. So your plant is not just yours, it's the community's plant. Rather, if you divide up the land and you're only maintaining your spot, it's kind of like more divided. It's not really a community garden. It's more of like an individual plot of land. So I want to keep it more as like a whole social, like um, a gathering place for the, for them. I'm rooting for you. I, <laughs> I, I, I think I like the, I like the second, I mean, just from hearing it, um, I like the second model more. I am one of the yeah. listeners that am not familiar with community garden. So I appreciate that. Yeah, because there's one community garden in our area that has like, you know, it's split up into different parcel of, parcels of land and um, you actually have to pay money to um, get your own piece of land. And I, I feel like that's kind of more like I own this piece of land, don't come on here. Then if someone else owns the piece of land away from you, then you're kind of not really interacting. But if you keep it as just one piece of land for everyone to work on, then it's better because then everyone gets that whole sense of community from it. Uh, Roxana, um, what are some initiatives or projects that you're really excited about? Yeah, so I guess this is like the debut of um, our future plans. So as of now, we are in an incorporated nonprofit association, which essentially means we technically don't have an entity. We're more like a grassroots type of thing, right? So there's been a lot of conversation about how this is truly going to be funded, right? Because we're talking about how, oh, social capital, and we're just going to like build community. But like, yeah, technically we do need money. Um, so as of now, Harvest Unit has been funded by my family and some donations, but not very much, just because we don't ask, right? We, we really didn't want to make this about money. We just wanted to have it out there. But in the future, we've been having a lot of conversations. It's like, okay, well, this is going to become a 501c3. And um, as of now, we've decided that we, we want to go in a whole different direction. So um, for this year, we will remain the same. But starting next year, we are looking to become a cooperative social enterprise. And if you're not familiar with that term, a social enterprise is somewhere in between a nonprofit and a traditional business where 
you know, we do give back to the community, but how we give back is through the work that we do, right? And there is a, a strong emphasis on building social capital. And we do want to be a worker-owned business. So essentially we want to own, we want to provide in-home gardening services. And our demographic that we want to focus on first is mothers of color because we want to support mothers because as we know that when we support mothers we support community and you know we also want to teach urban food growth right um, we want to teach hydroponics container gardening and everything in between and knowing that whatever your space is you can't grow food and our services will be offered on a sliding scale and no person will be turned away because of lack of services um, we want to make a way to figure it out so that people can grow food and we want to support them in that. And the reason we wanted to go in this direction is because, you know, we give out seeds, we give out seedlings, we give out all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it takes a lot of time and effort and especially for mothers to understand like how to like fully integrate into their lives and how to use these new systems is, is hard. So we wanted to have another layer of support that can really build with the community, but not deplete the community of resources, but only give, give to rise to that. Literally incredible. That is so exciting. Oh my gosh. Um, all things being equal, I, I will be in DC and like this fall and like hopefully next year. So oh, yeah, okay. we'll teach you how to garden. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that is the point. My, my, my personal, one of my personal goals is to, you know, see, see that unfold. And I didn't even know like a co-op, co you said it's a, you're planning to become a cooperative social enterprise. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know such a structure like existed or like that was something that like uh, a cooperative could be like that is so you know cool. um there's a few articles I can send you that uh, we've been looking into um, I'm taking a, a class from um, Cal State University Long Beach and a lot of information I get really is from being from California because hey, California is known for innovation and I am very lucky to still be connected to a lot of people and um it's it's new. It's it's a it, it feel like it's a concept that's it's actually been done, but then somehow it's always been, you know, they say like the the revolution will not be televised, right? And I think it's one of those things, right? People do it, but people don't speak about it. But um it's there and it's possible. And we really want to like lean into that as much as we can. Yeah. It may not be televised, but it will be on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, at least on youtube right <laughs> yeah all of the above that's really cool um i'm gonna transition to like the the last question because i feel like just that innovative just looking ahead i think is always a, a nice way to encapsulate anything and um between the community garden and what the structure of harvest united um, will look like in the future both of those things are just so deeply exciting to me personally that I just I just want to sustain that energy. So on that note, um, I want to offer both of you an opportunity to give a one or two practical tips for our listeners to engage with nature or get involved um, locally. So are there any like practical tips that you could offer um, our listeners for how to get involved um, um, with nature, um, with the environment, or specifically with an organization? Uh, one tip I would say if you if you like are a complete newbie with gardening or anything is just to start with like one plant or something so the way I started well I didn't start but like I tried some projects so 
I would take an avocado pit and just plant it in the ground and then see if an avocado tree came up or something like that. I would try these kind of experiments at home. So one thing I would say is <laughs> if you have like green onions, you know, you buy like green onion plants from the store, you can try to root them yourselves or like put them in water and then have the green onion plant grow. Um, so th these are kind of like small projects that like people can try at home and they're totally free because you're already using the food or vegetables. So if you try these kind of projects at home on a small scale, then it'll get you more interested in gardening. So if you take like the seeds of a tomato and then plant them in the ground and then grow a plant, that's like the first step in growing. And then you, even if you mess up, you can, you can always try with another seed of, of a tomato. So I would say uh, if you want to get started with gardening, just try with one plant, small scale, the stuff you have at home. Don't try to make it too complicated. That's very helpful. Yeah, I, I you know, I tips. So I would very much stay in the in the conversation of reciprocity, right? The idea that like, how do we pay this forward, right? And I think like, you know, if, if, if you're going to like take the time to learn something so important as like how to like live somewhere sustainably or how to garden or how to be in nature more, I think, I think we could also find a way to like pay that forward and give that back to our community, but like, not like in this, like, oh, let's get back to our community, but like, no, like really do it, right? Like, like I learned how to grow a tomato. How about I teach my neighbor how to grow a tomato and how much we like get together and get a piece of land and grow a bunch of tomatoes for all of us, right? Um, and I feel like that's more of a challenge than a tip, to be honest, because um, I think it takes more intention, it takes more time and it takes a little bit more, um, uh, just effort and I know that we're tired and we don't want to try because it's hard and we've been drained but at the end of the day like the pandemic is just like the tip of the iceberg right we're not done here when the, once the pandemic's done like we're like gonna really 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 face the mountain right <laughs> and I, I would say like try to find a way to do it not by yourself but with like someone from your community and see if that it gets done. You know, I like the note of reframing as a challenge. And I think moving forward, I'm going to pose that question as a challenge um, that, you know, like our guests can offer. That is awesome. Um, well, Roxana, Mohsen, thank you like so much for your time. Thank you for this conversation. This was like very, this is personally enlightening, um, but also just, I know that your perspectives, your experience, your ideas, and your work especially are going to be very impactful for everyone listening. So I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you for oh, having me. Thank you, Akil. You've been awesome. And, you know, thank you so much for being a part of Community College Institute because, you know, CEI has been very supportive of Harvest Unite. We are very thankful for all that they've um, supported us in because it really has been a communal effort in terms of organizations and collaborations. For sure. Thank you so much for having us on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to learn more about Harvest Unite, visit their website at harvestunite.org. You can also check them out on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All of their information and additional resources will be available in today's show notes. If you are a part of a community whose environmental work you'd like featured on our podcast, send us a message 
at communityecologyinstitute.org. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Community Ecology Institute. You can subscribe to Community Blooms on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or really anywhere else where you get your podcasts. So, until next time, use your point of view, do what you can do, and strive to make sure your community blooms. Peace.